Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. So glad you're here this morning. If this is your first time here, my name's Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church, and so glad you joined us for worship this morning. Hopefully you've enjoyed it so far. Well, we are in a sermon series called Launch. Actually, we finished it up this week, and we're in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 1. Um, we've been looking at how Jesus launched his ministry. Um, it's been a really cool series so far. We're going to uh, kind of finish that up and then transition into Mark chapter 2 next week. So if you wanted to read ahead, you can go ahead and do that. But, um, oh, wow, let me grab my notes here. Where am I at? There we go. Um, before we do that, I just was listening to that last song. And I love how that talks about the power of God. We believe that Jesus has power. That Je not that Jesus had power while he was here on the earth and not that Jesus had power when he ascended into heaven, but we believe that Jesus has power yesterday, today, and forever. And as Christians, that's really what it means to be a Christian, that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We believe that Jesus is the promised one, that he's God's only son, that God sent into the world to redeem us. If we would put our trust in him, if we would turn from our sins and turn to Christ, that Jesus has the power to save us. I love that we serve a powerful God. We believe at Mission View Church that God still does miracles today. Jesus still heals today and still has the power over demons today. His power didn't end when he ascended into heaven. It didn't end at the resurrection. Jesus' power never ends. In fact, his power is ever increasing and culminating to the point of reconciliation and judgment. Reconciliation and judgment. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Isn't it good to know that we can call on the name of Jesus. Okay, there's three of you that agree with me. Isn't it good to know that we can call on the name of Jesus? And this name isn't a hollow name. It's, it's a name of a real person, a real man that walked the earth about 2,000 years ago. He was in time at that time, but even before any creation was made, he was, and he was Jesus. We talked about it over Christmas that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God. John chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about Jesus has always been, and we call on His name. We pray and believe for healing at Mission View Church. We pray that people would be delivered from demons, and we believe that they would be by the power of Jesus. We call on a name that is powerful, that is living, that is active in our world and in our lives today. And that's what we're going to talk about. As we look here in Mark 1, and really we've been talking about it for the last few weeks here, or before Christmas, and we took a little break for Advent there, but before Christmas and now. But when Jesus launched his ministry, one of the things that he did was miracles, and he had power over demons. We've seen that over and over again. We'll talk about that again today. He healed people. He raised the dead. And one of the reasons he did all of these things was to prove what he was preaching. Jesus didn't want to just talk the talk. He wanted to walk the walk and show the world then and there and here and now that he is God. That he is the one true Messiah that we can look to. And when we call on his name, we will be saved. And man, that is good news. 
I love how, I love how we've gone through the series launch and seen how Jesus is launching into his ministry, calling disciples and all of these other things. It's so encouraging. I, I mean, I can't help but be excited about sharing the gospel, about sharing my faith with other people, because I know that there's power in it. And I don't, I don't just know that there's power in it because of the stories that we're reading. And these stories that we're reading are great and they're encouraging and they're awesome, but I know there's power in it because of what God's done in my life, that Jesus has changed me. And I know there's power in it because of the way he has changed you. When I meet with you and we have coffee or we talk through God's word or we meet with our community groups and we hear the God stories happening all around us, it's just we know there's power in the name of Jesus. And man, that is something is just amazing. Amen? Well, let's jump into this. We're going to pick it up. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to start here in verse 35. We'll just work our way through this text this morning. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, speaking of Jesus, he, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, you might want to underline that. There he prayed, circle that, put a star beside that. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, the first fill-in, the first thing I really want us to kind of try and wrap our minds around in this text is this. If Jesus prayed, how much more should we pray? If Jesus needed to talk to God the Father, how much more do we need to talk to God? How much more do we need that? Here we have the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, and he gets up early in the morning, not just early in the morning, gets up very early in the morning, goes off to some desolate or secluded place, and spends time talking to God the Father. Let that sink in for just a minute. The one who was there in the beginning, before time began, before anything was created, God the Son, Jesus Christ, always been, always will be. When he was here on this earth, he got up very early in the morning, went to an isolated place to spend time with God and to pray. I don't grasp the gravity of that statement. If Jesus needed to go to God the Father in isolation, in this desolate place, and spend time talking to God the Father, how much more do you and I need prayer in our lives? I can say this. We desperately need prayer in our lives. We need to go off to a desolate place. I'm trying to think of a desolate place. You know, Cleveland. No, I'm just kidding. But we need to go off to a desolate place and find that time alone with God, talking with him, sharing our heart with him, petitioning him, praying to him. You see, we don't, we don't serve a God who is up on a cloud somewhere playing a harp. We are 
serving a God and in a relationship with a God who wants to be actively involved in our lives. He wants to hear our hearts out loud. He wants to hear the struggles of the the different things that we're working through. He wants to hear about how this world is encroaching upon our lives and and our our spiritual growth. He wants to hear about the temptations that that creep up on us and the struggles that we have in life. He wants to hear about how we we struggle and, and work through the difficult truths in his word that challenge us and change us. He's not apart, separate, away from us. He is here now. The Bible says that his Holy Spirit lives within us. In fact, Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, it is better that I go. It's better that I go so that I can send the one, the counselor, my spirit to live inside of you. If you've given your life to Christ and you're following him, the very Holy Spirit God is active, alive, and in your life and speaking to you even now. God wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. Not just about him, but to know him and to grow in relationship with him. Now, I'm going to step out on a limb here this morning and suggest that none of us pray as much as we probably should. Jesus was extremely busy at the time. He was launching his ministry, preaching, going from town to town. It says everyone was looking for him. Can you see, can you imagine this? Jesus wakes up very early. Think about this. You know, what, 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30, we don't know, but we can guess, you know. And he goes off in the dark, finds a desolate place because he knows the power of prayer. He knows he wants to spend time in conversation with the Father. And he's spending this time, I bet, man, if we could just be a fly on the wall for that prayer time, that'd be life-changing, wouldn't it? <laughs> but think about this. He's in this, this prayer with the Father. Disciples come, Jesus, what are you doing? Where, where are you? Everybody's looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. You, know, you kind of get this sense of kind of this chaotic, you know, you know, worrisome. What's happening? Why'd you go off on your own? Everybody's looking. Jesus was busy. He had places to go, people to see, sermons to preach. But he made time to spend time with the Father. And too often I say, and I'll just confess this this morning, I'm too tired to pray. Or I'm too busy to pray. I have too much to do. I have too many meetings. I don't want to miss the game. Or whatever it may be. Jesus knew that time with God is time multiplied. Jesus knew that time with God is time multiplied. We think we're too busy to pray, but in reality, we are too busy not to pray. We are too desperate not to pray. It was Martin Luther who said these words, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. I want to be able to say that, right? That's where I want to be. The problem is we don't recognize our need for prayer. 
We may acknowledge it. We may give it lip service. But when it really comes down to it, when the rubber meets the road, when the the minutes are, are cut short in the day, we don't recognize our need for prayer. Prayer is a practice. It is a discipline that is learned and cultivated through this, through, get this, love and hard work. It is cultivated through love and hard work. Prayer, like all other disciplines, is this cyclical thing that happens, that, that we, we, we go to God in prayer, and we seek his face, and we're tired, and we're short on time, but we make the time, we get up very early in the morning, and we make time to go to God in prayer and spend time with him. We may fall asleep in prayer, But we go and we purposefully give the time to the Lord. And we start to realize that that time begins to change us. That those conversations with God begin to change us. And and when we meet with God, when we give time to God, I'll just share this and be real honest with you. God's not the beneficiary of that time. We are. We are. But it begins this cyclical process of going to God and pouring out our hearts to him and and him restoring our souls and restoring our strength and and building our faith. And and we get encouraged and we're like, man, that was a really, that was great. And, And I should do that again. And we do it again. And it becomes this thing that we can't live without. Prayer becomes something we cannot live without. The hard question we have to ask ourselves, and I'm going to ask you right now, is this, is how much time a day do you pray? Think about that for just a second. Prayer for the Christian is like breathing. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. That we're to be in constant communion with God. That there's this constant conversation that's happening behind the scenes all the time. God, what would you have me do today? God, what would you have me do in this moment? God, give me strength to not, you know, get mad at my spouse or to handle my boss well. God, give me the patience to live out this life well. God, help me to glorify you in this situation right now. God, give me the strength, Father. I depend on you. Lord, I need you more. This constant conversation that that we know that God is active. We know that God is with us. We know God is here. Here's what prayer does. Prayer reveals our need for God. It reminds us of our frailty and it reminds us of our weakness. It's probably one of the reasons we don't like doing it so much. We struggle to do it. We have to make time for it. It's it's acknowledging my frailties and my weakness. Prayer reorganizes my priorities. Because we all have different priorities, right? We may not like list them out, one, two, three, four, and five. But if we looked at our calendars and we looked at our checkbooks, we would be able to see what our priorities are. Prayer reorganizes just this, through this spiritual, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, reorganizes our priorities. It puts God first. Prayer, get this, prayer is an act of faith. It is a living act of faith. When we speak out loud to God, just so you know, I don't see him right now. But if I were to pray and just say, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would... Use me this morning for your kingdom and for your glory. Come and have your way. Change the hearts of your people, O God. In Jesus' name. 
for your glory, for your kingdom, and for our good. Amen. When I pray like that, that is an act of faith. I, I wish I could, I could see Jesus like standing right here beside me, right? Like that would be awesome, right? We would all be ecstatic and super excited and it'd be like, see, I told you, he was here. But when we speak out loud prayers, it is an actual working and acting out of faith. For everyone to see and everyone to hear, we believe when we pray and speak that the divine hears us. That God actually hears our prayers. Not only does he hear our prayers, he responds to our prayers and he answers our prayers. Not always with the answer we were hoping for, but he answers our prayers. That's what we believe. And let me say this, that is what we have experienced in our lives. God has answered prayers in my life over and over and over and over again. Like I said, not always the answer that I'm praying for. But God always answers our prayers. Let me just share one with you um, that me and my wife were praying on. Uh, a few years back, well, probably five or seven years back or so, I'm terrible at dates, my wife would correct me here, but anyways, we knew that God was calling uh, us into, um, or me, into a lead pastor position at a church. And so we began praying about that and said, Lord, what, what would you have us do? And what me and Joe really uh, wanted was that we would move south. You know, we wanted to be a, a sermon preaching pastor on a beach. You know, that's what we were hoping for, you know, like, so North Carolina, we go to North Carolina every summer, Emerald Isle, we love it, it's beautiful, and Lord, Lord, North Carolina, NC, that's what I see in my head as I'm praying, you know, NC, God, send us to North Carolina, they need Jesus down there. <laughs> okay, good, you got that one. No, but, you know, everybody needs Jesus, but I'm just like, Lord, send us to the beach, you know, Emerald Isle would be great, Atlantic Beach, I know a couple pastors down there, I visit their churches every summer on vacation and everything, and the Lord's like, Matt, I'm sending you to NC, North Canton. <laughs> Not quite the beach, right? Like, Lord, what are you doing here? You know, that's, that's the wrong, actually, my wife's first response, that's the wrong direction. That's north. You see, God always answers our prayers. Sometimes they're not the answers you're looking for, but they're what's best for you. God always, he's gonna give you what is best for you. So you see, we have these desires and wants, and I'm not saying these desires and wants are even necessarily wrong, right? We have these desires and wants, and we go to God with these things because he tells us to, and Jesus modeled that for us. We go to God with these things. And God, in his sovereignty and goodness and wisdom, doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we need. That's one of the, the hard pills to swallow in prayer, right? I've had, I've had a lot of people I've had to talk to about this before where they, they said, I prayed and I prayed and I asked for this and I asked for this and I needed this job. I, I know this was the right job. I, this was the job that God had for me and he gave me this other one. Or I didn't get the one I wanted. And they're mad at God. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. When God opens the doors for us to walk through, when, it's, when, he, when he does the things that he does, we move forward trusting that it is his will, his purpose, and right for our lives. You see, in prayer and God's answering our prayers, we have to realize God's more concerned with my sanctification, my growth, and my change than he is my happiness or me getting what I want. 
And I, let's be honest here today, I, I've had those temper tantrum moments. All of us are still three-year-olds at points in our lives, right? We just act out in different ways. Our temper tantrums when we're 45 look a little different than when we're three. But they're still temper tantrums. But know this, that God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So if you're praying for North Carolina and he brings you to North Canton, praise God. All glory be to God. Because he has purpose. He has destiny in it. And there's no place I'd rather be than your pastor and loving you and caring for you and bringing God's word to you. And our dream and our hope is to retire here down the road, Lord willing. Prayer, lastly, prepares us for life. Prayer prepares us for life in a world that is set against God. The Bible says that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities. And that spiritual battle is fought on our knees. That spiritual battle is fought on our knees before an all-powerful God. Where we go to him and call to him and, and ask him to do what only he can do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Prayer opens our eyes to the spiritual realm. It opens our eyes to what's really going on. The enemy of our souls, the devil, and, and the demons around us. And we go to the one who has power over all of that. And we don't have any fear. We don't have to worry about anything because he controls everything. And he has all the power. You see, prayer prepares us for life. Lastly, prayer prepares us for Sunday morning worship. Sunday morning worship changes when we spend time in prayer all week. So oftentimes we come to church to get our batteries charged when in fact we are meant to be spending time with God in worship and in prayer all throughout the week. And when we come together, our worship is meant to encourage one another. Prayer prepares us for Sunday morning. You can tell I haven't preached in a couple weeks. Says, man, I'm just getting long-winded here. Let's get to number two. What do you say? In verse 38, it says, And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. You know what? When God ever says, This is why I'm doing something, we should probably take note of it. So you might want to underline that or highlight that there. Because Jesus says, That I may preach there also. That's why I'm here. And it says, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Simple, second filling in your notes. You probably already got it filled in because you know where I'm going with this. Jesus came to preach. Jesus wanted to preach. He came to preach. What was so important that he wanted to share? What was it? What was, what was Jesus' one message? Why would he be walking around all everywhere and trying to share? What is it that he wanted to share? We already actually talked about it earlier in this series. Mark 1 verses 14 and 15 says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Here we have Jesus' sermon in a sentence. Our savior, his sermon in a sentence. I got really excited about this. So what does this actually mean? He says, the time is fulfilled. This means the Messiah is here. 
The time had come for the chosen one to show up and do his thing. The Messiah is here. The old covenant was about to be finished and fulfilled. The new and better covenant was at hand. Then he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near, it says in some translations. This is Jesus' message, that the, this kingship or royal rule. And it, it talks about sovereign authority or a ruler or the activity of ruling um, and the realm of rule, including all of its benefits. This means the kingdom of God is this dynamic thing that, that God is ruling and reigning now. The kingdom of God, his rule and reign is here. It is present. It is near. And then he says, repent and believe the gospel. Repent, this Greek word metanoia, meaning do a 180. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Go the other way. Repent and believe what? The gospel. Gospel means good news. What's the good news? The good news is this, that Jesus Christ is God's only son. God sent his only son to live on this earth through Mary, a virgin birth. Jesus lived a perfect life and, and he, he lived up to the standard that God had set in his perfection. God being perfect has a perfect standard, no deviation. So Jesus lived this perfect life. He didn't sin in thought or in deed. Jesus was perfection incarnate. He fulfilled the old covenant, the promise, the contract that God had made with his people. Jesus fulfilled this contract perfectly. No other human being could do this. Only Jesus could do this. This is good news because he fulfilled that for me and you. And then he bore the penalty for sin. He was a substitution for you and me. And all of those who would turn and put their faith in him. And he died on the cross. He lived a perfect life but died a sinner's death. And three days later rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me and you. And now the good news is this. That we can by grace, through faith, put our trust in the work of Jesus Christ. And when we go to heaven and we are standing at those pearly gates, it's not my resume that he sees. He doesn't see all of my failures, all of my sinful thoughts, all of my sinful deeds, all of the wrong things that I've done. He sees the blood of his son that washed away all of my sin and he sees me, sinful, wretched man that I am, pure and spotless. That's the good news. And Jesus came and he said, turn from your sin, repent, turn from your sin. The time is now, the rule and reign of God is at hand. Repent, turn from your sin, and trust in me. I am the Messiah. I have come to do what no man or woman could do, and I'm going to do it for you. Put your trust in me. It is by grace through faith in Christ alone that we are saved. And he calls us into relationship with him, and he's calling you into relationship with him right now if you don't know him. Do you know him? And Christian brother and sister, he's calling you into deeper relationship. 
He's saying, come to me. Come, come closer. Spend more time in prayer with me. Spend more time in the word with me. I want to show you who I am more and more and more and more because the depths of his love, the depths of his sovereignty, the depths of his grace can never be fully exposed until we see him face to face one day. So in this life, in this life, we pursue him and we run after him and he calls us closer and closer and we give our lives and our time and our finances and all that we have to him now so that he would be glorified and we would be changed, his kingdom would be extended, and we would see God just impact our city, our neighborhoods, our families, our friends, our coworkers, because he is God. That's what Jesus preached. And that's what we preach today. Every Sunday. Every day. You know, the mark of a Christian isn't perfection. The mark of a Christian is repentance, humility, and progressively changing by the power of the Spirit. You know, at Mission View Church, we're not some holier-than-thou, prideful, pharisaic people. We are loving, growing, endearing forgiven and forgiving people. We don't think we are better than others. We just want to share the one who is better with others. That's what God has called us to. So let me just ask you, do you know him? Are you hearing this good news for the first time right now? Do you know him? Are you in relationship with him? Have you put your trust in the work of Jesus Christ? Have you turned from sin and turned to righteousness? Put your trust in Jesus today. Don't delay. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, the kingdom is coming. It is near. It is at hand. Put your life in his hands. So Jesus preached this good news, and that good news is that he is the Messiah. He did amazing things to prove it. Check this out. He went, in uh, verse uh, 39 and 40, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter any town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Third felony notes is this. Jesus performed miracles to show that he is the Messiah. We started off talking about the power of God and we're gonna end talking about the power of God. Jesus, the Messiah. Everyone was talking about this Jesus. There was no social media. There was no internet, no television, but Jesus was famous. People came from all over to hear his message or to be healed or to witness a miracle that he was about to do. 
He was not the average prophet, magician, or Pharisee. He talked differently. He taught differently. And he had the power to heal, cast out demons, and preach with authority like nobody had ever experienced before. Jesus came preaching, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God's at hand, repent and believe the gospel. And then he showed them the power of God from his very preaching and from his healing and laying on of hands or just saying, be, be well, be cleansed. God still heals today. God still works miracles today. His power didn't leave him when he rose from the grave. In fact, the greatest miracle ever performed Get this, the greatest miracle ever performed from Jesus, from his disciples, from the very power of God working through his disciples, I should say, is still happening right now. It still happens today. The greatest miracle ever is taking someone from eternal damnation to eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven for all eternity. Let that sink in for a second. We talk about healings of cancer and other things, and we pray and we believe for those things, that God still does those things and can do those things. But we pray for someone to receive Christ, and it's not some temporary healing of some sickness or illness. It is an eternal healing where we go and can be with our Creator for all eternity. The greatest miracle ever performed is the gospel bringing dead bones to life. And God is still working that miracle right now. He wants to work that miracle in your life if you're hearing this for the first time. You're walking around searching for something empty and desperate for something or someone. And I'm telling you, it is Jesus that you're looking for. He holds your destiny in his hand. He holds your future in his hand. And he says, come to me. I have this for you. He is God Almighty. And he works miracles today. He heals cancer today. He casts out demons today. And he's calling you into relationship with him today. That's the God that we serve. Jesus is the Messiah. He's not was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And he walks in the power, the very power of God right now. And he walks in that power in your life. That his spirit lives in you. And man, it's so good to know we have nothing to fear. No virus no demon, no, nothing to fear. God holds our tomorrow, our yesterday and today, and our eternity in his hands. And he loves you. Friends, Jesus loves you. He loves you with an undying love. There's nothing you have done that's caused him to love you any less and there's nothing you will do that will cause him to love you anymore. Right now and right here in this moment, God loves you with a perfect love that is without explanation. We can't even wrap our minds around that kind of grace, that kind of mercy, that kind of love. So not only is he the Messiah, the creator, the very God that we serve and love, He's a God that loves you. He wants to change your life and give you purpose and meaning and hope. That's what he does. Paul said in the Bible, 
Well, in his day to his people, he said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul got something. He understood something. That our eternity, that our relationship with Jesus and our understanding of the gospel will inform us in such a way that we value heaven and eternity more than anything else. Not that we wouldn't value this life. Not that we wouldn't value today and tomorrow and sharing the gospel with our neighbors and friends. We'd value these things. Not that we wouldn't work hard and, and serve the Lord while we can to live as Christ. But to die is gain. The struggle we have with this truth is so difficult because death is just so foreign to us. It is something we, we don't fully understand, we can't fully grasp, and this idea of eternity, this idea of heaven seems so out there and not right here. But heaven is real. And what God wants to do through the power of his spirit is inform us more and more of heaven, of God's goodness, of his purpose for us, of the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ, that it so changes us that we, like Paul, can say, to live is Christ, to live is to do the work of God, to live is to glorify God with the words and my deeds, but to die is to be with him in heaven where there is no temptation, there is no cancer, there is no COVID, there is no sickness, there is nothing, there's no sin, it is all a paradise with our creator where we see him face to face. And all of our questions, all of our concerns, all of the theology ideas that we struggled with and tried to wrap our minds around and get frustrated with, and all of the things we see in this world, this broken world that sin has encroached upon and destroyed, and it makes us just wonder, what is happening, God? Are you even here? These questions and concerns that we have will be answered. That's what heaven's going to be like. Who's ready for heaven? Come on, right? Like, come on. I... It's hard living in this world, this broken world that sin has just demolished. But Jesus is coming again. Even now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Get this, praying for me and you. The Bible says he intercedes for me and you. Jesus didn't just pray when he was here on this earth. He is right now going before God the Father and saying, hey, those, those are the ones, the, those, those ones right there, that's, those are the ones you promised me. They're, they're mine, right? Those, just remember, those are, my, those are my guys, those are my girls. Because we have an enemy, too, that's petitioning. <laughs> and he wants our souls, too. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, now, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, intercedes for me and you. And he will hold us tightly in his grip until he comes for us one day. Amen? Let us be a people. Remembering that he still performs miracles and every one of us is one of those miracles. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for the example that Jesus set for us, that Jesus came and he prayed. That he came and he preached. And Lord, that he is the Messiah the one who can and has the power to save us. 
So Father, we pray that you would grow us ever closer to you. You would strengthen us with your word, that your Holy Spirit would encourage us and comfort us. Father, that we would be a people that are not just in the world, but not of the world. That we would be world changers for your kingdom and for your glory. So we ask that you would use us up in every way possible for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.